there everyone. Coach here. How are you? Hope your week was a fantastic one. Mine was pretty good. I was I was busy. Did a little bit of research here and there and a little bit of driving to take in a couple of things, but man, I couldn't wait to get back and talk to you peeps. Anyway, hey, this week, when we think of royalty in the modern age, we know of always about the Great Britain or England. We always know about the Queen, but you know something, and maybe you'll agree with me here. We always see and hear and certainly read about a lot more princes and the princesses more than anything else. Would you agree with me there? Jesus, coach, where in the hell are you going with this week? Well, when it comes to landscaping, we know about the shrubs and the trees, right? The king and the queens of any residential landscape. But we always ooh and ah over the color that comes from perennials when they come into season. In a landscape, they are the prince and princesses of our residential yards. Not just our own, but you know, landscapes in and around us. A well-landscaped bank or college, maybe even hospital grounds, or more importantly, and what I used to help with a lot was the nursery landscapes around the nurseries that I ran or worked at. You know, this week we discussed my very, and I am serious when I say that, very favorite landscape plants, the perennials. The absolute, in my humble opinion, hands down most useful filler plants and performers of any residential landscape. Join me today and let's delve into this colorful topic. I will discuss some of my faves and how you can nearly have year-round color somewhere in your landscape. So, maestro, stop playing with the bleeding heart and get that super brief intro out of the way. Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every week I bring to you DIY landscape education design concepts and theories, pro tips in a hopefully easy to understand format so you can tackle projects yourself, get the professional results you desire, be a heck of a lot more self-reliant and save a lot of money in the process. You know, after a 20 plus year career as a successful self-employed landscape designer, contractor, and retail nursery manager, I bring with me a lot of experience and education that I wanna share with you, the modern educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, when I was designing and contracting, a very consistent landscape design theme that I used over the years was the installation and heavy use of perennials in most all the landscapes I was involved in. It was easy to think of and create, for me, the bread and butter plants, shall we call them. The trees and shrubs, that, those were easy. They, those came fairly easy. As well as the supporting cast, the, the irrigation, drainage, lighting, water features. But those elements never really got as many, oh wows, from a client as blooming perennials. Maybe not necessarily when I first put them in, but a month or so down the road when they came into season, all of a sudden those people appreciated that little four inch pot that I shoved in the ground for $12 a piece. Well, you know, now that I kind of think about it, there was kind of some oohs and ahs about water features. Enter the perennial color palette. I use these plants religiously and quite often. They were fantastic filler plants that complemented the shrubs and trees and really filled in the spaces and voids between the shrubs and stuff while they were so small. And they gave that all-important pop of color. And they grew a little faster than the shrubs and trees. So they were kind of the onstage performers that first year 
or more, and they're the ones that really brought the music to the yard, so to speak. They filled out the landscape early after installation without overwhelming the space of the landscape and causing a, an early removal process. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. I saw that a lot in professional landscaping where I practice. There was that strived for customer satisfaction bar that all contractors tried to reach. And some guys, and you know, bless their hearts, they did this by overfilling a space, putting in too many plants. And when they did that, that's when I saw, especially after a year or two, where customers or coming back the same company that installed it, were going back and having to take plants out because the place was just overrun and the plants couldn't do what they were supposed to do. I covered this a little bit in my uh, spacing video on YouTube. Check it out if you get a chance. It really addresses that over planting issue tremendously. In two years, you know, people were removing one or two plants already from overcrowding and overplanting. With careful selection, Perennials don't do that. They can if you don't make the right selection, but for the most part, if you pay attention and you look for something that, if you need something that's gonna go 18 inches by 18 inches, don't go getting something that's gonna go three feet by three feet, which I will explain in a minute. Here's the best part about perennials, at least one of the best parts, I think, besides the blooms. They're like getting free plants. That's right, free plants. Because after a couple years or so, depending on the variety of the perennial, they usually can be divided and propagated to other parts of your landscape, or maybe given to neighbors or friends or family. Divide them into thirds, replant one, and replant it well and give it a good dose of food, and then the other two parts can go elsewhere. This is one of the most economical plants you can ever place in the landscape. It really is. Pretty hard to do that with any shrub or tree, unless you give the whole plant away. Okay, hold on a second. I know, I know, there are those exceptions. I get it agapanthus, those kind of plants, but we're speaking in generalities here. I can already see and hear the comments and emails already. Depending on where you live, retail nurseries, ornamental perennial availability is usually highest in springtime and early summer, and then it kind of tapers off in availability after this time frame. Depending on the nursery location, uh, California, uh, Oregon, no, nah, I can't even say Oregon anymore. I checked out some nurseries in Oregon in October and psh, they were decimated. The nursery location and most importantly, the wholesale inventory. If they grew 2000 Moonbeam Coreopsis and in a matter of six weeks, they sold them all off to retail locations, it takes a while. It takes maybe even months before that inventory pops back up to a a sellable size and availability. I have seen many year-round availabilities, although I have never, I gotta be honest with you, I have never really bought plants online. Now I take that back. There was, many years ago, I tried to buy hostas online and I ordered a pack of three of them and they just never performed. And I think I got kinda put off by them but I think there's been a lot of improvement over the last, good Lord, those were probably 25 years ago, in shipping mannerisms and how they ship. These came in a solid plastic bag and were kind of mushy. Yeah, I, they didn't work. Many selections can be found at the nursery or online in one gallon cans, four inch pots, and even cell pack containers, you know, six pack containers. Costs generally range from, uh, oh, I've, <laughs> 
I've seen them in some of those swank mom and pop nurseries. I've seen I've seen gallon can perennials going for ten and twelve dollars a piece. Four inch, maybe six to seven dollars, and maybe. $4.97 or so for cell pack containers. This is an average cost and one hell of a lot more than when I was first introduced to them back in the 70s. Yeah, that's the 1970s, not the 1870s for those smart asses out there or my kids that might be listening. Perennials can be found for shade. They can be found for part sun and full sun applications. Bloom colors can be throughout the whole color wheel. Then within each perennial, and this is kind of exciting for me, then within each perennial, there are like new cultivars being created every freaking year with new foliage or bloom style or bloom colors. Perennials are really an, an ever-changing, ever-evolving product that keeps the green industry fresh, new and exciting. It also allows consumers, like you and me, a chance to recreate beds with something different after years of the same thing there. The care that most perennials take is somewhat minimal. To attain that minimal care, it all surrounds the soil prep, the planting placement, and four times a year care. Like any plant selection, Read the tags when you're shopping. Know your location where you want the plants to go and then match accordingly. If questions arise beyond that when you're at the nursery, freaking ask. Don't, don't be ashamed of going up and say, hey, I've got a question about one of your plants. Well, sir, what can I ask her for you? Blah, blah, blah. I see so many people so timid about going up to somebody, especially because of COVID. Either the staff at the nursery can answer that question very simply, or you can whip out the smartphone right there and just Google it, and it'll tell you more than you probably want to know. I can remember years ago wanting to learn about hummingbird attractors, and I ended up getting some salvia gregei. Uh, I found one plant called salvia gregei that fit the bill. It sounded like uh, hummingbirds really came in, but being a youngster, I did not pay attention to the mature size. I planted a few too many, as a matter of fact, I got them in gallon cans. I think I bought five and I really only should have bought one and it really overwhelmed the space inside of one year. Okay, that was my bad lesson learned. But boy, in that one year, they sure worked. They brought those little hummers in fast. And even though I had to go in and take out four of them and no, I could not divide a salvia gregei, but the mature size I did not pay close attention to. And I learned a, a really valuable lesson there early on. You can also play with perennials by planting uh, almost like veggies. You can get a few packs of perennial seed of whatever variety you'd like to try and do it indoors in the wintertime. Gives you something to do. Get those guys planted in December or January and put them under some lights and get them to pop and then get them into be seedling stages before you transplant them outside. It's also a great way to be economical and frugal with your landscape dollar. It's also a great way to get kids involved too. They, you know, the youngsters, they, they like playing around with that kind of stuff and checking on them every day. So some of my favorites in perennials that I used in designing as well as in my own landscapes, I claim these as my faves based on a couple of things. Colors, I'm kind of partial to uh, warmer colors most of the time. I'm not going to say that 100%, but color, longevity, lower maintenance, 
levels and the, the usefulness, you know, how they can be used out in the landscape. There are dozens and dozens you can have. There are just a few. These are just a few that I like and that I've used. For the sunny locations, I think one of the most useful ones is Dwarf Bidens. I love Dwarf Bidens. I used them right near my water feature at Weed Patch Ranch years ago with their, their bright orangey-yellow blooms. I put them underneath a, a burgundy dissectum Japanese maple on a, a raised mound area and planted them in a semicircle and they did fantastic. In the wintertime, I kind of sheared them back and really tightened them up, gave them a good dose of food in, in late January and February, and then just watched them explode again. And they probably lasted four years, I would say, and I had to refresh them, but it's a lot more than a lobelia that lasts eight weeks. Uh, another one that I use, and various varieties of this one, I'm a big fan of Coreopsis. Coreopsis, also known as tick seed. Uh, I will give you a caution on those guys. They can go to seed, and when they go to seed, they tend to make little babies. And maybe you want them going on in the same bed, maybe you do not. But the way you take care of that, not just with tick seed, but also with any perennials, is you just keep up on the deadheading. That's the key right there. Coreopsis. I'm a big fan of Moonbeam. Early sun. I think it's early sunrise. Yeah, I was going to say sunshine, but that's not right. Another one that I've absolutely fallen in love with, especially with a lot of varieties that are out there now, is Rudbeckia, uh, the Black-Eyed Susan. They have, oh, the Indian Summer Series, and they're fantastic plants. I love having Rudbeckia coming in when a lot of other the plants are starting to go, yeah, check you out next year. And Rudbeckia in late summer and fall is just now coming into its glory. Along with another one that I like about the same time, and you here's your combination uh, one-two punch, is aster. Various forms of aster. They come on in mid to late summer and into fall as well, so they can be paired up with Rudbeckia. Uh, daylilies. I know a lot of people don't like daylily. I happen to be a fan of daylily. I'm not a fan of the big tall ones. I'm much more a fan of the smaller dwarf ones. Uh, Steldoro and a couple of the other ones. I think one is called Happy Days. I'm pretty sure. Another one that I got into recently was uh, Monarda, Bee Balm. And rounding out the sunny varieties is Veronica and Salvia. Those two, I love. <laughs> I love Veronica, that uh, deep, almost purpley blue one. And there's also a, a magenta, almost fuchsia colored one. I love those things. Okay, so when you're talking about part sun to shade locations, I often use Shasta Daisy. Now, when you're saying part sun, I'm talking about the Central Valley of California. Now, if you're out on the coast somewhere or you're up in the, the high country, you can shasta daisy and go out there in full sun all day long, twice on Sundays. Uh, but I, I really like them. I like the, the double flowers and the singles and they do really well for me. I'm very much a fan. Another one which is a little off of the perennial subject a little bit, but I used them quite successfully, was a Japanese painted fern. Oh my god, you want to talk about a fern that has multicolors in its fronds and stuff? <laughs> I like Japanese painted fern. Very useful perennial in a shady situation. The ever-present and all all over the place hosta. Uh, hostas are fantastic and they are the ones you can divide and give away, but uh, I think they're a great herbaceous perennial and really can be used in a morning sun, afternoon shade situation. They have so many different varieties out there from monster sized leaves to uh, variegated leaves to, uh, I really fell in love with the one called Blue Angel not too long ago. It has that bluish grayish color to it. Much, much different looking hosta. All right. 
Now that Maestro put it down, how about Dicentra or Bleeding Heart? Uh, there's one that goes well in a morning, sun, afternoon situation. Doesn't bloom out a whole long period. You're talking about about a six week period in the spring, early summer. But if you nip them back, oftentimes you can encourage some small bloom through the summer. How about a stilby? A stilby, that thing is fantastic and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So make sure you put it in a situation that doesn't get, uh, it's not going to cram up your shrubs. Don't plant too many of them in the same spot, but they can also be divided. And one that I did uh, plan of the week not too long ago, how about Brunera? Brunera, I think I did one called uh, Queen of Hearts. I think that was the name of it. Check it out over on YouTube on plan of the week. That thing is go freaking gorgeous. That plant right there is just a showstopper. Not so much about the bloom. It's not known for its bloom. The Queen of Hearts one that I was speaking about is uh, the leaf color. Uh, that silvery green deep veined look very very nice in a in a shady garden and lastly right out of one of my favorite places in the world the rocky mountains columbine various varieties various colors very unique flower so check those out hey those are my those some of the faves that i've used perennials can be placed in the landscape and in containers a very useful and flexible plant when it comes to applications i love them a lot and i hope you explore perennials as an option to fill in the blank spaces create large perennial beds using a variety of matching and complementary perennials with various color palettes being used they last for many years based on care on average most perennials will last anywhere from four to seven years, sometimes longer. Divide them, as I mentioned, and extend their life even longer. I do recommend keeping an eye on deadheading, like I said earlier, uh, for not only just increased bloom production, but a reduction in seeding. You know, you don't want them to go to seed and, and become invasive in any way. And there's not a lot of them out there that really are invasive. Those tend to be more on the grasses aisle. But Coreopsis can go to seed. Bidens can go to seed. Those are the ones that I was kind of referring to. Use your imagination and look online for creative ways and how others have used them. You know, you go to Google Images or Pinterest, oh my God, you, you punch in perennial plant use and you'll get Sunset Western Garden magazine cover photos of how they have been used and give you a lot of great ideas. Now, the sky is the limit. More than anything else, guys, just have fun doing it. Have fun with this hobby. This is not a chore and you should never look at it as a chore. If it's a chore to you, good God, go find something else to do. This is, this is a catharsis and a leisure hobby that can really pay huge dividends in your landscape. And the pride and availability of going out there and tending them, using some of them for cut flowers that you can bring in and combine them with some maybe some annuals like zinnia or dahlia and put that on your dining room table. That's where the pride of homeownership and landscaping really come together. Remember your planning plans on layout and selections. Some varieties, like I told you about salvia gregei, yeah, well, they get kind of they get kind of tall, and I use that as an example so that you put those guys in the back of a bed, not in the front. So always tall to the back or in the center, shorter out in the front of the beds. Feeding perennials for me, anyways, the success that I had with them revolved around this. I usually had a starter fertilizer that I mixed up with my planting holes, just a, a small handful, and after that, I would do a liquid fertilizer either miracle Grow, some sort of synthetic fertilizer for about the first six to eight weeks. And then I would just stay with an organic dry fertilizer 
four times a year after that. Most, I found most of the shady perennials will often appreciate an acid loving fertilizer, not just a regular fertilizer. So think about something similar to uh, rhododendron chameleon azalea type food. If you have them mixed in, in and around those shrubs, that's, that's what like hostas would like, and dicentra and bernera, they would appreciate a more acid loving environment. Hey, if you have a favorite perennial that has been great for you, please, would you do me a favor? Snap a photo of it, if you have some, and share it with me and send some pics to the, the website or the email. I love seeing them. And I also am always up for learning. So you might have one that I have not been exposed to and would love to see it. Well, that'll do it for this week. Check out the plan of the week on YouTube and the regular educational channel over there, Yard Coach. I enjoyed bringing perennials into the conversation today. Hey, if you haven't already, check out my website if you have some time and check out the, the ebook, Landscaping Simplified, and my most prideful, prideful flagship of the website is my DIY digital landscaping course, Homescape 1.0. All the education a DIYer would ever need to tackle a landscape makeover from start to finish all by themselves. Plus it would help out this old codger. It'd help me out bring you more interesting videos and podcasts. It does cost a little bit of money here. Your support is always truly appreciated. And as always, landscape questions out there, feel free to drop me an email. I will get to them ASAP. So to my yard coach crew, I'll see you guys next Friday as always. Go out and get those hands dirty, take care, and bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yard Coach. Check out the original videos on YouTube at Yard Coach or email Coach Matt at youryardcoach at gmail.com. And hey, did you get your free 15-step landscaping project checklist? Check out the podcast description below for the link to your free PDF as well as the YouTube channel for more great information for the DIYer in you. See you next week.